1: I do what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. Next, on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan.
2: Men and women will make a profession of faith, acknowledge to the world that Jesus is Lord. And in the waters of baptism, they will confess this reality. Hear me now, that the Word of God has revealed to us the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A denial of these three persons means you don't know God. And you ought never to get in the water if God has not revealed himself to you in his son and by his spirit.
1: The Heavenly Hierarchy. Today on Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand will begin an extensive look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, promoting Jesus God's way. Welcome to Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stand will take us on this journey of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, that we might better understand just who He is and what His role in the Trinity is all about, and how this information, this insight, really glorifies Christ benefits you and I. The person and work of the Holy Spirit. Promoting Jesus God's Way is the title of our series. We begin in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 15.
2: Here's Pastor Jesse now. Today's broadcast, The Way of Grace. If you will, turn back in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 16, just briefly because we will be quickly departing from John's text in order to lay a foundation for our series. The title of our series over the next several weeks will be The Person and Work of the Spirit of God. That is in your bulletin, The Person and Work of the Spirit of God. We're starting with John 16 only because Christ spoke specifically about his coming, the coming of the Spirit of God. And he used a number of nomenclatures or terms in reference to the Spirit of God as he spoke to his disciples about what would be essential for them to accomplish their purpose. He called the Spirit of God the Comforter. He called him the spirit of truth. And those two categories take on a missional sort of design for the third person. But be sure that in John 16, we are not dealing with the origin of the spirit of God. Jesus is not telling us about the origin of the spirit, but of the coming of the spirit, the erkomai, the missional coming of the third person. What you and I want to do. Today, as we want to settle down and ask God to give us hearing ears and perceptive eyes and hearts to embrace a fundamental reality about God that is essential to God's glory, but more so to your salvation. When Jesus said, if I do not go to the father, the comforter will not come. And if the comforter does not come, men and women will not be saved. That would be to our tragedy. But the comforter has come, which means the son did go to the father, which means he was holy, harmless, undefiled separate from sinners, which means he was the son of God, which means he did accomplish eternal redemption for us, which means if Christ fulfilled his end of the bargain, the Holy Ghost is going to fulfill his end of the bargain. And he who has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the reality of the third person because his job is to make everything about God real to us. No spirit of God, no revelation of Christ, no revelation of Christ, no revelation of the Father. And no one comes unto the Father but by the Son. And no one can come to the Son but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And what we must learn today is, is we're not talking about uh, superficial terms and superficial quips and, and, and phraseologies that are mere mantras. We are talking about a saving knowledge of the true and the living God. Now, we will be working with what I will call a propositional argument for the fact that the spirit of God, too, is very God. When we say propositional, what we mean is we will look at several passages in the Bible that explicitly assert his person and his work. We will not be dealing at length with philosophy or um, or our notions of men's or arguments as to whether or not the spirit of God is God. The Bible will speak very clearly of that if our ears are open, if our minds are clear, If they're not impeded by presuppositions and arguments against the notion that there is one true and living God who is revealed as a tri-personal being. So hence, God, the father is the one true and living God from whom eternally proceeds the son and the spirit bearing the Father's nature as God, and therefore demonstrating a perfect manifestation of those divine attributes, both mutually and individually, so as to affirm their absolute unity of being and distinction of persons. The triune God is revealed as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Apart from this revelation, your Bible will make no sense It will be completely disjointed and incoherent where you and I don't comprehend the unity of the divine nature and the individuality of their persons in the work of creation and redemption. The first verse I want us to look at as we begin to build A biblical composite of the role of the spirit of God will obviously have to start with the father and the son. First Corinthians eight, six, please pull it up. Now, you guys mark what the apostle says. He will say this several times throughout the epistles. I like that image pull that, pull that image back up. We got glowing, shining stuff flying up on the front. Pull that back up. My uh, this is called artistic license here. That dove is shining, isn't he? Bless you, girl. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. But unto us there is but what? Uh, See, y'all didn't say that like you knew anything. But unto us there is what? That's right. Now watch how Paul explains him. He calls him one God, even the what? Of whom are all things, that's called origin, and we in him. We're in God. And one Lord Jesus, do you guys see that? Watch this. By whom are all things? That's called instrumentality. Origin of the Father, instrumentality of the Son, i.e. the Father and the Son are God. For if Christ is creating everything, he must bear the same nature as the Father. But why we call him the Father is because everything has its origins in the Father. Are you guys following me? Of the Father through the Son. At some point in a moment, you will see that the third person plays an active, cooperative role in the process of creation and redemption with all three persons. By the way, I've told you this before. Whenever you see asserted the persons of the Father and the Son and you're wondering where the Holy Ghost is, what did I teach you? If it's written, there goes the Holy Ghost. Did y'all get that? If you read it on the text, the Holy Ghost did it because one of his jobs is to reveal the other two to us. Okay, so our first verse underscores what we have always embraced in terms of biblical Christianity from Genesis to Revelation, that monotheism, as was revealed to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the 12 tribes, is what we hold to. There is but one God and no other. However, that one God has revealed himself in a tri-personal way. Write that down. If you've never heard the term, you need to write it down. You know what tri-personal means? Three persons. You are not tripersonal. You are unipersonal. I'm unipersonal. I am monopersonal. I'm one person. You're one person. There is no other being in the universe that's tripersonal. Every other being is individual, unique, and singular. God is tripersonal. Y'all got that? This will establish the grounds of the unity of their being while maintaining the distinction of their persons without us entering into logical, what we call contradictions, right? We're dealing with two categories, beings and persons. So God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are revealed in the word of God. So Paul is laying out uh, what we call monotheistic theology as he asserts God as father. I want you to mark that, God as father, the Hebrew writer Uh, underscores this as well. But look in Ephesians chapter four, verse four through six. And I want to show you what I call the vertical line from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven, the vertical line. And if your eyes are open, you'll be able to see the unity between the three. You need to mark this as well, because if there is anything that the Christian in the 21st century is very weak on, is their God very weak on a knowledge of their God, very weak on how to explain their God, very diminished in their capacity to show and demonstrate from the word of God why God is unique in the way that he is. But will you watch what Paul says to the church in Ephesians 4 verse 4? Are we there? There is one what? That's called the church. One true church, which God himself created through Christ by the Holy Ghost. Will you mark this now? There's one body and there's one what? Will you notice now in the line of relationships that the church has its immediate participation in the third person? Are you following the line from earth to heaven? There's a shaft that goes from the earth to heaven. The church has its reality by its immediate relationship to the spirit of God. That's why Christ said, when he comes, he will show all that I have To all that are minds, the goal of the spirit of God is to create, produce, manifest, preserve, build up the body of Christ. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Pastor, what is that? It's the gospel. The gospel is the hope of our calling. You and I have been called by the gospel, have we not? As you heard Christ calling the disciples and they came and Paul being called and, and the apostles going out and calling men and women. The gospel is a call. You and I have been called by the gospel. And we've been called effectually by the Spirit of God through the gospel. The distinction between a lost man and a saved man is the Holy Ghost. The distinction between a lost man and a saved man is the spirit of God working through the gospel to give you life and bring you into communion and fellowship with God through Jesus. Some hear words, others hear God. That's, hap- that's what happened to Paul on the Damascus roll. Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the gold. Saul said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And then he said, what will you have me to do? That's how you know you've been saved. You stop arguing with God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? But this time he heard from God, didn't he? He heard from Stephen. He heard from Peter. He heard from James. He heard from all of them while he was persecuting and killing them. But one day Jesus spoke. That's what we pray in the preaching and teaching of the word of God, that Christ would speak to you by his spirit in the gospel. Verse five, here it is. One Lord, who is that Lord? Jesus. The spirit, the one Lord, one faith. This is the body of doctrine that we hold to from Genesis to Revelation, one baptism. We know as a moment that there's only one baptism that we acknowledge. It's the baptism that Christ prescribed in the apostles practice. Verse six, watch this. And one God and what? Father of all. Now you notice how whenever Paul really deals with God in the cardinal sense, he always calls him what? Father. Why? Because Christ has revealed God and his personage to us as the what? Father. So we see in our verses four to six, a shaft going from the earth to heaven where the body of Christ is created. It is in it's immediacy related to the third person. That third person has given us the revelation of Christ through the hope of the calling or the gospel that one Lord is revealed, that one faith is revealed, that one baptism is real revealed, and in that baptism, all three persons are made known to us. We're going there in a moment. Notice what it says, one God and father of all. Now watch how Paul actually describes him as preeminent, who is above all and through all, and in you all. See all those all's? That does not mean everybody in the world. That means everybody in the church. The context is clear. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father who is above all and in all. Am I making some sense? He's really giving us an ontological connection between the body of Christ and the triune God as the ground of our life and the source of our destiny. Can y'all see that? Then I can keep going, right? What I want you to understand as we work this through is that the Bible is explicit when our hearts and minds are open to the reality of this triune God with whom we are identified in the waters of baptism. Look at Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen. I wanna just explain something briefly there. You'll notice in Paul's formula of Ephesians four verses four through six, he mentions baptism because baptism becomes that symbol, that emblem of our entrance into the kingdom of God, is it not? When a man or woman has submitted to the gospel, they will become baptized and thus identify with the true and living God in the waters of baptism. You saw that in the days of Christ. You saw it in the days of the apostle. And wherever the gospel is faithfully preached and the spirit of God is working, watch this now, people will be baptized. Men and women will make a profession of faith acknowledge to the world that Jesus is Lord. And in the waters of baptism, they will confess this reality. Hear me now, that the word of God has revealed to us The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A denial of these three persons means you don't know God. And you ought never to get in the water if God has not revealed himself to you in his son and by his spirit. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Now, I want to develop this just briefly, not long, because we got a lot of passages to go through. This is a propositional study to help you know your Bible furnishes you with more than adequate understanding of who God is if you want to learn it. Now, watch what Christ says. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing, baptizing them. The word baptize ultimately means to bring into identification with. The the word baptize means to immerse into is to take an object and place it into a subject. And once you bring it into that subject, in this context, formally, it's water. The object becomes one with the subject. We're talking about union. When a man is baptized, when a woman is baptized, you are baptized into Christ. But being baptized into Christ means you affirm the revelation of the triune God. Are y'all ready? Here's what Jesus said to his apostles who knew of God, the father, who knew of God, the son, and they knew of God, the Holy Spirit. Didn't he teach them that? Quite frankly, if you were to work through a synopsis of the gospel, here's what you would know. Just before Jesus gave them this commandment to go into all the world and to preach and baptize, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, in submission to the revelation of the mystery of God in Christ, they are now taken on a mission to share that gospel of the triune God with the whole world. Now, watch what it says. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the what and of the what and of the what? So now let me help you overcome the paganism that is rooted in all of our natures, where we think we can just mantra names, uh, say names as incantations in phrases, as if somehow there's power in what we call the personal identity tag. Haven't we talked about that? Haven't we talked about just because you can say Jesus doesn't mean you know Jesus? Just because you can say God the Father doesn't mean you know the Father? Just because you can say the Holy Ghost gave me liver quivers don't mean you know the Holy Ghost. By the way, we're going to be explaining that down the line too. Liver quivers ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. It might have something to do with a really nice bass line on an organ or something. Or something you ate and drank, but ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. Nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. You don't have the Holy Ghost because you sweat, cry, shake. That's not the Holy Ghost. Did you hear what I just said? So now mark this, when Jesus says baptizing them, immersing them, identifying them in the name of the Father, it means that you declare to those who will be baptized the name of God the Father, that is his personal tag, the authority of God the Father, that is he's God over all, and the reputation of God the Father. For the name means those three things, do they not? A name is who I am. A name is what I have. A name is what I do. A name is how much influence I have imposed upon my sphere of influence. If you know me, you know my name. If you know me, you know my occupation. You know my authority. You know my rule. You know my dominion. You know my sphere of influence. Baptize them into the name of the Father. Now, is God the Father known all over the world? Yes, he is. Is he known for being God over all? Yes, he is. Is he known for being all-powerful, almighty, all-wise, all-sovereign, omnipotent, immutable, unchangeable, twice, thrice holy God? Is he known for that? Right. So this is what Christ meant. Baptized them, immersed them, identified them with the full scope of biblical revelation concerning the Father. Next, do the same thing with the Son. Don't just say his name, Quios. Don't say his name, Jesus. Call him Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Call him Jesus because he's the son of the living God. Call him Jesus because he rose from the dead with all power in his hand. Call him Jesus because the father highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth and things under there. earth. Call him Jesus because there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Call him Jesus because you know his name, his authority, and his reputation. And call him the Spirit because the Spirit of God is that agency that brings to reality everything the Father and the Son does. Y'all got that? To deny the one is to deny the other, and to deny the other is to deny the other yet still, and it means you don't know God. Does that make sense? It's time to go to work then. Time for us to go to work. So now in your outline, we have our first point. They are one true God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one true and living God. And their triune operations. We see them all over the Bible. I'll spend a little bit of time affirming that simply to simply establish the fact that the Spirit of God is not a Johnny-come-lately, or some inferior entity operating with the father and the son. Point number one, sub point eight, the father is what? He's God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse six through nine gives us the metaphor, pull it up please, gives us the metaphor of you and I being sons of God. And what it says is if you're a child of God, God's going to deal with you as a son and him as a father. How many of y'all know that? Let me hurry up and get get over that right quick. See, like when God brings you out of your bastard state, out of your infant state, out of your unsafe state, and brings you into the family of God, he puts his name on your forehead and it's called the Father. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. That means everybody must know you're his property. Now, when he brings you in by the spirit of adoption, you cry, Abba, what? Abba. Abba, what? Because you have the spirit of sonship in you, just as Christ cried, Abba, Father. Now watch this. That means daddy got a purpose for you. you. And daddy's going to get you to his purpose. And you know, daddy is the greatest lover in the world, is he not? And every good and perfect gift comes from the father. Is that right? And with him, there's no variable of, of turning and no shadow of darkness with him at all. Is that right? But daddy will whip your butt. Isn't that right? Daddy doesn't care about politicians. He don't care about kings. He don't care about rulers. He don't care about entertainers. No one can stop the father from disciplining you because he loves you. Will you hear the language? He says, for whom the Lord loves, he what? Scourges every son whom he receives. I want you, Lord. He says, okay, come on. I got a switch just for you. I got a switch just for you because see, I'm shaping you into the image of my son. But I'll have to peel some things off because you, you bringing stuff in that don't look nothing like me. When I'm done with you, all that stuff going to be cleaned up. You're going to look good when I have done whittled you. When I'm done whittling you, you're going to look good. But right now you're raggedy. Does that make sense? And the language here is pretty brutal. I'm going to be honest with you. All whom the Lord loves, he's gorgeous. If you were to really look into that language, it would be intolerable in our present generation. To scourge a child today would put you in jail. And that's because men reject the gospel. They reject a God who depicts himself as father over his children and who will chastise us to make us better.
1: The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our goal Here on the broadcast is that you grow in your walk and relationship with Christ, that you find yourself useful in His hands to the glory of His kingdom. Questions and comments about the broadcast can be directed to our phone number or our website or by writing to us. You can write to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Also, take advantage of past messages delivered by Pastor Jesse and guest pastors. It's free for the download. Again, grace-bible.com. If you'd rather contact us by phone, maybe you have a question or comment about the broadcast. Maybe you'd like a CD copy of today's message. Call us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you enjoy the good old fashioned way of getting in touch with folks, the U.S. mail, our address is Way of Grace, twenty two, seven sixty eight Main Street. That's right here in Hayward. The zip code is nine four five four one. As you reach out to us, for whatever reason, we would also ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially. If you have added financial resources at your discretion, we would ask you to consider joining us as we present the gospel on a daily basis here on Way of Grace. This is a listener-supported ministry, and as you link arms with us, it ensures that we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. Please consider that as you get a hold of us and then join us again next time as our study in God's Word continues, that you might find yourself on His way of grace. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus
0: anyway.